So our guest this week, I'm really excited about. Yeah. I, it's so weird because everybody's been on Zoom lately and we all know that Zoom can be soul killing and mind numbing. <laughs> um, but um, I heard him on a Zoom press conference of all things. Right. And you would think, okay, that's the perfect vehicle to put you to sleep or whatever. And he was just absolutely moving, captivating, uh, and I thought, you know, this is like a great representative of the movement right now. And and his and 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 what does he do again? He is a labor organizer that represents school bus drivers, custodial staff, IT workers, and cafeteria staff in the Burlington schools. Oh man, let's yeah. get in. Let's let's get into this. All right, let's do it. This is no politics at the dinner table. I'm Tony Biancasino. And I'm Amit Prakash. And today we have an incredible guest. His name is Dwight Brown. He's a labor organizer and representative of the AFL-CIO in Vermont. Let's get into it. Let's go. Yeah, my name is Dwight Brown. I'm the uh, executive vice president of the Vermont AFL-CIO and uh, chapter chair of AFSCME 1344 for Burlington Schools. Okay, great, great. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, we wanted to have you on here because, you know, I'll just give a little bit of a background. I heard Dwight on a press conference that was on Zoom where a number of different union organizations from around Vermont that were representing basically the educational establishment and laborers in that establishment uh, were working together in solidarity against various forms of sort of austerity measures that were afoot in different fields. And uh, Dwight had a lot of good things to say. Um, I wanted to just sort of contextualize what we're gonna talk about a little bit, and then I'm gonna just leave it, leave it to you. Um, one thing to just put out there is like, obviously we know uh, that the pandemic has utterly transformed the economic scene in America, uh, but not for billionaires. They've gotten very wealthy, Richer. Yeah. right? So I was just looking up some statistics from the Nation magazine and they, they do this thing every week about, you know, do this by the numbers thing. Mm -hmm. And so here's just some numbers. Uh, between mid-March and mid-May, billionaires in this country accrued $434 billion more than they already had. So that's like, if let's break that down, that, that's almost half the entire stimulus, which hasn't even been fully distributed to the 40 million people who have lost their jobs, have gone to 600 people. That's correct. I thought it was more like 560. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's, that's, that's just mid-May. Probably right. by now, you know, it's, right. it's, it's bigger, right? Yeah. So that is, the, the, the inequality level is, is extreme, and that's, that's sort of structural, right? Yeah. Um, I was reading an article by this guy, Bill Fletcher Jr. I don't know if you're familiar with him um, or not, but so for, for those who aren't, he's the executive editor of a magazine called The Global African uh, Worker. And he was basically saying, you know, there's been a long time that, you know, the union movement has been kind of anemic in America. Uh, since the 70s, there's been this sort of decline and so on from its heyday in the 50s and 60s. Um, but this is kind of the opening, right, that, that the pandemic has sort of provided the opening um, and that unions are kind of in a position to possibly lead like a mass movement. And I was just wondering, in your view, 
what are unions for in both senses of the word? You know, like what 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 do they do and then what do they stand for? Well, I think uh, unions give workers a voice. And I think what unions meant and what unions mean are different now. I think unions have to take the lead on a lot of different issues that they kind of stayed away from. They stayed into the realm of, of wages and, you know, um, employer-provided health care and things like that. Now, don't get me wrong. I think unions changed the landscape for the American worker and for workers around the world. I mean, um, the fact that we have a 40-hour work week, that's because of unions. People were working 61-hour weeks until unions got involved, you know. The fact that we have um, a, a lot of the things the American worker has is because unions pressed on those issues and sometimes took the lead in those. But I think the unions have a different voice to have right now. Um, the pandemic and some of the civil unrest has showed us that um, we can't just fight for economic justice because we can't have ep economic justice without uh, thinking about the planet and, and trying to get a Green New Deal uh, and to, to make some of those jobs. If we're going to fight for jobs, we need to fight for clean jobs. So we need to mm -hmm. narrow the scope of what we're fighting for. We can't fight for economic justice without fighting for social justice. We have to stand behind the young people. They're showing us the way. And we can impact people's lives in so many ways that I don't think we've delved into. And I think that was political um, that we didn't dive into. Because when we go to Montpelier or we go to these state houses, we didn't want to offend some people so that they would get behind us on some of these issues. But now, I think the young people have showed us the way. We need to fight for what's right. And if we fight for what's right, people that don't join us, well, they just need to move out of the way because we're, we're coming. All right, all right. That's, okay, I, I love hearing that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a great thing to hear. And speaking on our, our, uh, the, the interview you were talking about and the austerity measures, um, we looked at what was happening to our, our, our universities and our local colleges, and we, and we just wanted to get all those unions together and kind of reimagine what we are fighting for. And, and, and let them know that an attack on one union, an attack on Northern Vermont University is an attack on my union because they're not going to stop there if they start austerity measures. They're not going to stop. So we wanted to get all of them together. And me, I work in education as well. So those, that's very important to me and very important to the students that leave the high school level that they have a local place to go to college. And, um, and I think I'm going to fight for education in any of its forms that's just who i am but i wanted unions to come together and see how we need to get in this fight together we need to stand together when they come after education when they come after uh opening up a collective bargaining agreement like the city of burlington tried to do which spurred on my union to put on the the car rally that you probably heard about last week could you could you give a little bit of background on that because that, that, that was kind of one of my follow-up questions which is that how is the proposed austerity unfolding at the local level and then how you know the the labor movement that you're a leader of is responding to it well i'll give you an example of it the uh, mayor of burlington came at our city workers uh which are and he's a democrat right he's a democrat yes yeah yeah and i don't think austerity 
it's necessarily has a it's a bipartisan it's a bipartisan love. effort, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think um um he came at those city workers which are part of my union thirteen forty three and said due to the pandemic, they wanted to open an already settled collective bargaining agreement to take away uh, some overtime and some raises and stuff like that. And we unequivocally said no. And and that signaled to us that, that people were gonna try to use this pandemic to start these austerity measures, not only in Northern Vermont or in the city of Burlington, but all over. And so we wanted to get all our unions together and just sound the alarm that this thing is coming and that we need to stand together. And that when it happens to one of our unions, we all need to jump in and support each other. And so that's what that was about. We had a bunch of unions at that car rally and we wanted everybody to understand that you are not alone. Uh, Northern University is not alone. The city of Burlington workers are not alone. Uh, and none of these unions around here are alone. And I think re-envisioning how unions work and how we um, deal with uh, politics in Mont Montpelier, we need to pressure them and we need to put them on the record of what they stand for and with no more standing in the middle, right? And, and I think our political influence and our political stance needs to be a more direct in your face. We're not having it. And so that's what that was about. Great. Great. How do you, um, in preparation for the next school year, um, how do you protect teachers? Um, if, if, if we're, if we're going to get behind education, like you were saying, what's the protocol and what's the plan for if governments try to force a reopen, but teachers feel unsafe? Well, one of the reasons we invited um, the BEA, the Burlington Education Association, and uh, there to that meeting because he, so that they would have a voice, it was, there's, there's a couple of, of reopening guidelines that have been put out. Uh, at first, there was nothing from the teachers, right? It was just coming from the AOE saying, you will do this. Right. And, da, da, da. and mm -hmm. so um, we really didn't react. We were waiting to hear from the NEA because they were best positioned to have a voice in that effort, and we wanted to read that. Well, they put out their stuff, and, and the AOE put theirs out on the 17th. What we're going to do is, is if teachers don't feel safe, we're going to we want to we want them to have a voice and we're going to get behind them and we're going to we're going to echo those voices. We're going to amplify those voices and um, and we're going to be as one. That's the reason for the car thing. Right. So so if they try to make teachers go back to work, the northern Vermont people are going to be with us because we're with them. Right. And 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 so we want school to be open as well but we want them to do it safely. We want them to do it safely, not only for the students, but for the staff. And we want them to do it in a way that don't just benefit the administration, but it benefits everybody. Right. You know what I mean? If a teacher doesn't feel safe, how good a teacher can he or she be? If, if a student doesn't feel safe, how can they learn? If a parent doesn't feel safe about sending their kid to school, that doesn't help anybody. And so to answer your question, we're watching, I'm on a, um, a call once a week with our superintendent and some of the administrators and uh, the BEA president. And we're, we're trying to stay involved and, and, and keep our voices heard and 
and reach out to our teachers and our staff members. I have four contracts in the Burlington School District. Um, property services, which is custodial, maintenance, and we have bus drivers, we have food service, uh, and we have IT from whom, whom I work. The food service people were performing like heroes during the peak of this pandemic. They fed kids three times a day. They gave them enough food on Fridays so they could eat the entire weekend. That's amazing. And now, yeah, and they were said, and the district said they were heroes, right? Well, now it's contract time. <laughs> so now they're saying, if we come to the table, we come into the table from a position of deficit. And you know, I'm, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, the one thing I do know is the budget was was passed on town meeting day. Okay. So that money is locked in. So right. where they're coming from is they got to spend more because of some stuff they got to do from the pandemic. Well, I know they're getting some money. The government, the state already has some money. Um, but the, but the state is trying to determine how schools spend that money. So that's part of our fight as well. But to answer your question, if, if, if teachers don't feel safe, we're going to stand behind them and we're going to do what it takes to make them feel safe or make them have another strategy. Great. I, I mean, one of the things, I mean, this is all about solidarity, right? That, that, there, that there's solidarity That's across correct. unions, across, you know, whatever you do if you work, that, they're, that you are kind of implicated um, in, 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 in a sort of, in a possible mass movement now, you know, I mean, that, I think that's the really interesting moment that we're living in yeah. is that and, and like what you're talking about reminds me actually of the 1930s a little bit yeah. um, when FDR was, you know, obviously like the Depression comes and in the beginning, in the early years of the Depression, it's kind of like these half measures to address the economic situation. And then people went in the streets and. It wasn't because FDR was such a soft-hearted, brilliant guy that he came up with all of these, you know, great things that became the New Deal. It's because he was pushed in the streets, right? right. Um, and so I think, I mean, I think what you're saying is, you know, exactly that strategy. And if his history is any guide, um, it it could work, right? I think what do you so. think? And I think, yeah, I think, even when you see the social justice marches out there. If there's any changes, it ain't gonna be because people change their mind. You know, they're not right. taking Aunt Jemima off the, off the pancake syrup bottle because they knew it was wrong the whole time. It's right. because people are in the streets and they're raising the awareness and people are raising their voices and there is a rainbow coalition of Americans saying enough is enough, right? It, when it was just black people marching, it was easy to kind of count that off, right? right. But young people don't see each other that way, right? These, these kids hang with each other. They go to school. They go to Middlebury College together. They, they love each other. So they're standing up now and, 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 and saying, hey, this is wrong. So the same way that's happening in the streets for social justice, I envision we reimagine labor unions in that way, that, that, that we all stand up and fight. Because when, when unions fight, when unions get raises, they raise the raises for even non-union workers, right? When unions get something, it's hard for work for people to say, well, we're giving unions this, but we're not going to give these people this, right? So, Isn't that often the counter, like the, the right-wing argument is always, oh, these unionized laborers, usually like, like AFSCME, right? Like that yeah. these, you know, public workers, they got these yeah. golden 
benefits packages that are bleeding the state dry, et cetera, et cetera. When the financial crisis happened, all the bankers, they kept their contract bonuses, but the teachers were blamed because, you know, they had to go to the dentist and that was too much, obviously. Yeah. You know, so like, how, how do you make that argument, you know, stick, right? Because, I mean, I think obviously it's, it's the right argument, but to say that, you know, the more powerful unions has a sort of virtuous effect on non-unionized people. Well, I, I would I would answer them by saying a lot of the benefits non-union people have, they got them because of the fight unions had. You were talking about the 30s and going to the streets. A lot of those, like getting rid of child labor and all these other things, unions got that, and now non-union people reap the benefit of that. When we fight for labor, we're not fighting for just unionized people, right? We're fighting for labor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we want people to organize if they want to, but there are some some that even if you don't believe in what we're doing, don't get in our way because the, the successes that we have are going to benefit you as well. When we got vacation leave, sick leave, um, medical leave, unions spearheaded the fight for the Medical Leave Act. And so everybody's going to get the benefit of those things. And I understand there's this argument about unions, but... I'm an old guy, but I, I want to re-envision unions. I want to re-envision what we stand for and, and what we fight for. I, I think it's bigger than, than, than just economic justice, right? I believe unions had to speak, and I don't know if you were at my speech, but um, there was some consternation about having some Black Lives Matter speakers come there. And, uh, um, you know, and I guess they couldn't make it. So I was going I was going to speak for labor on that issue. I felt like it was my duty to say, how can we say economic justice, right? When we when we're not going to talk about the Black Lives Matter movement. How can we talk about justice in any form without talking about that? How can we how can we not? So um the AFL CIO backs the Black Lives Matter movement asked me backs the Black Lives Matter movement. And so I, I just I just tell people who to do your research when you when you want to say that unions are these a lot of the time I spend fighting for unions, I don't get paid for that. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just my free time away from my family. You know what I'm saying? And um but I believe in what we're doing and I and and and, and I'm re energized to re envision what unions can bring to the table. Great. Um what would your what would your counter be to people who um, are anti-union and use the examples of let's say the police union as a union that's too powerful? How do you how do you how do you have checks and balances with unions going forward? Um, I I brought up um, police unions when I I was talking about Black Lives Matter at my uh, speech at the car rally, and um, that was no accident. Um, I say that we need to re-examine, you know, these types of unions, and I call on uh, our police unions and our teachers' union. You know, we protect workers, but protecting a bad worker, I mean, come on, you protect all workers. When you when you when you when you find someone, everybody's not built to be a teacher. 
And certainly everybody's not built to be a police officer. Everybody's not built to be an IT person, right? If we let someone who's not good at IT keep messing up and we keep keeping them and we keep keeping them, when we go to the bargaining table, it's hard for us to make that argument, right? right. So I want the teachers, the police unions to, to be fair. This isn't something, we're not against police. We're, we're against police violence, right? So when someone steps out of the room, someone in your profession is not good at their job, there should be some steps to to correct them and move them in the right direction, right? And if that doesn't happen, it keeps happening to remove them, right? right. And that's what I call on unions to do. And I, when I say re-envision what unions do, I'm not just talking about what we're trying to get. I'm talking about also talking about what we're trying to change within ourselves, right? And and police unions are, I don't know, a different breed. They're very powerful, but they need to understand that the guy who held his neck on George Floyd's, his knee on George Floyd's neck, had been ridden up a lot. I mean, a lot. At least eight or nine times. Yeah. If we are going to stand for economic justice, right, and you are a police union, right, we can't stand for that. And if you want to be a part of a union, if the police want to be a part of unions, they need to step to the table and help us solve this problem. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's shocking. Sorry. Uh, it's shocking that we even know that he had so many write-ups because a lot of the police union contracts expunge those records. That's correct. Right. That's, That's sort of built in um, cleaning. Yeah. Right. But go ahead, Tony. Sorry. Cutting you off. No, I was just going to say I, I agree with you. Um, I, I remember growing up, my, my father was a teacher in a public school. Um, and I, I remember his frustration with some of the teachers' unions because he knew some of his colleagues were incompetent. Yeah. <laughs> and they were my teachers. And, and, we, and we as students knew they were incompetent. And there, there was just this, you know, if you're, if you're tenured and you're protected, it's kind of hard to get rid of you. But uh, I, I'm totally pro-union, uh, but I'm also, I think all unions do need to have a little self-reflection and come up with a better system to reward the people helping and to uh, either fix the issues with the people that that aren't or kind of push them out the door. I agree and I think I think it, there needs to be a due process mm -hmm. of course. Um but I mean 8 times. It's insane. 8 times? Is that due process or is that negligence, right? Uh I'm, I'm not I'm not saying it's either one. What I am saying is we need to reexamine ourselves. And if police want to be a part of a union, I mean them, too. OK, yeah. That it's. I, I'm still intrigued about the pushback you got for the Black Lives Matter movement um, being represented at the car rally um, and what was the pushback like what, it wasn't what, really i wouldn't call it a pushback i, I may have used the wrong word um there was some there was some internal conversations about guest speakers okay and that got resolved and some people couldn't make it so it kind of resolved itself okay um but it, it didn't it didn't really matter because i'm a black labor leader <laughs> Right. right. 
Right. Uh, so there's so many in Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a black labor leader, and um, I work in education, and you know, I had a brother that was killed by police. So um, it's not a problem. There was no way that I wasn't going to stand up there mm-hmm. and, and, and speak the truth to people. And people, people in my union that had a problem hearing that, it was their problem, not mine. Right. right. And, you know, I think, you know, the young people in this nation have showed us, you know, they, they're tired. It's over. You know, they're saying enough is enough. And that was my feeling as well. So just to be clear, both those organizations support the Black Lives Matter movement. And um, as I said, um, as a black labor leader, I was going to I was going to bring it up anyway. So it didn't, it didn't right. the, the Black Lives Matter movement is so impressive. I mean, you know, it's very new, really. I mean, what is 2016 or 17, maybe? Yeah. It kind of came out of... Um, 2016. Yeah. Ferguson, yeah. right? It was Ferguson. Really in the yeah. wake of Ferguson. In the wake and, of Ferguson. man, have they really done a phenomenal job. And you know they're doing a good job when the super right conservative people hate them. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's funny, like you had set up. First of all, I'm so sorry to hear that you, you your brother was um, killed by police officers. That's terrible. But... It's just it's this theme that keeps coming up in my own life where many of my black friends have all been somehow connected to someone in their family being killed by a cop. And I don't know any white people in my life where they're like a cop killed my uncle, killed my father. And if that doesn't kind of show you and it's not that black people are doing anything different than white people. It's that the cops are doing something different towards black people than white people. And it's, if you just can't apply that math in your own life, I mean, it's, it's just so obvious. And I'm, I'm very, I'm very happy to see the statues just, they're not asking anymore. We're just taking them right. down. Right. And it feels really good. I mean, I, I, I look at Instagram or I look at the news every day and watching these statues just come down and right. you're just like, yeah, this is, I guess this is how it was supposed to happen. There's, cause trying to do any, trying to reason with people about taking a statue of Jefferson Davis down is, it's not a conversation you can have. I no, mean, you're talking to a racist. So it's just, let's do it and see what happens. I asked a question in my town of Georgia, uh, posted on Facebook the other day, you know, um, and asked um, the town leaders a question, you know. I said, where does the, um, what is what does town government stand as far as systemic racism, and 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 can you give a position statement on that? And can every department head give a statement on that? Oh boy, the racists just came out. They immediately identified themselves, right? Like they 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 jumped to the microphone, yay! And, and you know, and. I, I answered a couple of them. He's like, well, how do you get, you can ask that question on our board. I'm like, your board. Um, you know, I live here too. Mm-hmm. Hello. But I didn't get really get a chance to respond. Yo, the woke white girls shut them down. <laughs> I mean, yo, bro, <laughs> bro, bro. They shut them down. 
<laughs> you sound just like a privileged old white. I mean, and I was at my eyes were just like, this is different. I'm like, yeah. this, this, this is different. And I yeah. mean, they were young in my town, educated. Thank you, Dwight, for asking that question. And they were like, we got this now move. <laughs> and, uh, and they just ran with it. And then, um, one of our state representatives, uh, posted something that the governor had said, posted about Juneteenth. And so one of them brought up his voting record on that very, very issue. Say, if you're posting this, why did you vote? No. When it was before you, he was like, because someone said something bad about, about President Trump. I'm like, and so, again, the, the woke white girls just, they just, yeah. they just, and so he emailed me and said, Dwight, I just wanted to reach out to you. And I took that as a cry for help, by the way, <laughs> because these ladies were all <laughs> over him. Yeah. He, and he says, um, you know, I just wanted to reach out to you because you've had questions about my voting record before. And um, I said, yes, I have. I hadn't gotten many answers, but that's correct. I had a bunch of credits because, because you have one persona on, 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 on Facebook and on social media, but your voting record is very different from the person you're trying to portray here. And, you know, I, I really respect you reaching out to me, but I'm going to call you on it every single time. And I don't buy the reason you said you voted against the Juneteenth holiday because someone was mean to President Trump. I mean, come on. The guy insults everybody he talks to. Ugh. Right? Yeah. yeah. He, he got to prominence by a racist lie about our 44th president, even after he gave him his president. So Donald Trump's a big boy. He don't need you, like, holding up a Juneteenth holiday in Vermont because someone was mean to the meanest person on the planet. He goes, well, I think we could talk. And I'm like, we can. And I want to open that dialogue with you. Um, but good you know, luck. I'm, not, I'm not accepting any BS. <laughs> yeah, so good, just so you good know. Good luck with that, Dwight. That's, it's not, <laughs> you, you, and I'm, uh, you're a better man than I am. I mean, I wouldn't waste my breath, but that's the problem. I mean, I, I'm glad you're doing it. But if, if you're voting down that holiday right now, especially like we don't, we can't, there's no starting point for a conversation. I mean, you, you've blatant, you've, you've told us blatantly what you stand for. Right. And these are the same people that, wear Washington Redskins jerseys and, right. you know, uh, were pissed off at Colin Kaepernick for peace, peacefully protesting. And they can't believe Columbus Day that we don't even that we that we're going to take that away. And it's the people that are crying that we're getting, quote unquote, soft, where right. we're not getting soft. We're if you we're look at the hard. streets, that doesn't look soft <laughs> to me. We're getting hard and we're getting angry and it's it's the opposite. But we're just there's a sense of um, um, reckoning that. I think all uh, people, that was all my white point. people, yeah. Are, that was my to. point is like when I asked that question, they, I had a bunch of white people say, thank you for asking. Like, like all I did was open the door and, and right. just, and just kind of said, come on, you know, and it <laughs> was, it was amazing. And yeah. I, you know, I'm 60 years old and I, 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 I've been through a lot on these discussions and I've never seen anything like this before my son I got a 16 year old son told me the other day I'm like so how's everything going I mean are you and your friends talking about this you know he's went to some some marches and stuff he goes yeah he goes yeah you know dad I'm just not taking any shit anymore I'm losing mm -hmm. friends over this one great All he right. goes if you can't understand like we're dying 
like if my dying we need to discuss that then I'm done with you and I said do all your friends believe that he goes dad we're we're done we're done talking about it everybody can see the data's there people can see the data people can see it on TV I mean you could see it I mean there were marches in Atlanta over police violence when this guy shot another guy in the back. I mean, it ain't about not knowing, right? It's about inaction. And so these kids, man, um, they are so impressive. They are so, you know, I I think back, people my age think back about Martin Luther King and all these other leaders talking about a rainbow coalition, right? President Obama, this is truly a rainbow coalition. Mm -hmm. And it's people of all faiths, races, genders, and and people have just had enough. And I, I think that there's going to be energy for a long time, but what I want that energy to do is get to the voting booth. Yes. That's what I want that energy to be. And I was telling my son, you know, see if you guys can get everybody you know that's old enough to vote to vote. Like, Register to vote, then go to a march. Or go to a march, then come register, you know. Don't untangle those two pieces, right? March, be loud, have your voices heard, but also be registering people to vote. Because this energy is something that we haven't had in a long time, frankly. Yeah, that's that's what I'm, it's so, I mean, I think it's inspirational. And what what I worry about is can we and people like you are are doing it but how how does it harnessed for the you know how do you you keep the momentum going um sort of because i think it's clear that if you put the politicians feet to the fire they have to change you know if there's enough people in the streets and you know statues coming down and uh basically a real sort of line of moral and political clarity is being drawn here that if how can we keep that going until November? Because that's when it's right. going to count, right? So what, what do you think is the role of organized labor in getting that done? To keep supporting um, um, what's, what's happening. And I think it's incumbent upon not just unions, but even businesses to get behind this and to look at their branding and, 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 and every area of business. What I feel happening is... And the only way I know how to phrase this is this. No one's getting a pass anymore. Mm-hmm. No one's getting a pass on any level at any time. We're just not having it anymore. We just, we're just not. And as far as keeping the energy going, well, look at the George Floyd started it, right? How long was it before another black man was shot? Right, right. Yeah, the day. Oh, I mean, I, I would say that day. same day. Yeah, I mean, they're just not reported. I mean, I live, I live in New Orleans. There was, there's been three since George right. Floyd that that you guys don't even know about. Right. So, I think I think the energy will be there, but what I hope it translates into is into the voting booth. Yeah. You know, because this guy in my town that I was talking about, he was telling me, well, da, 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 and I and I, and you know, and I'm gonna have that conversation with him, and I'm gonna let him know. I'm going to teach you something another elected official should have taught you. We don't care what you say. We look at your voting record. Mm. 
I look at your voting record and I call bullshit on, call, on what's coming out of your mouth, right? The only person that can change that is you because your voting record is public record, right? So don't assume everybody you talk to knows your voting record. And if they don't know it, I'm going to tell them what it is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm going to post that on Facebook, you know, so don't go on Facebook lying. But as you can see, I don't even have to do it anymore anymore. These woke white folks is like these like, man, man, I feel sorry for the dude, actually. And I, I don't know how I feel about me feeling sorry for him. Right. But I felt so, I mean, I think he was reaching out to me to, for help. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's, it, it's interesting. We agree with you and. and... And I hope, I mean, a couple of things. One is I was very, very happy to see that uh, Trump's rally in Tulsa was a total flop. I mean, that was a beautiful thing to wake up to today. Um, but the real challenge for us and this movement is that we do have a candidate that, let's be real, we're not that excited about. And right. we need to actually get excited about the The movement is what's going to put us to the polls. It's not the candidate. We don't care about Joe, but we will we, we, we'll take anybody over Trump. Uh, that's not that's not a really passionate. Candidates have really been the problem, haven't they? Oh, well, the, the Democratic establishment and the way they set us up. I mean, right. We do it. We do a thing called uh, party favors, which you'll stick around for where I'm and I give some advice to the parties. And I've got a good one for the Democrats right. this this right. week. But yeah, it's it's what's driving me to pay attention to um, um, even local elections right now is the movement. It's show me the whoever the young person is that's right. you know the former truck driver or or a math teacher and and a lot of teachers, yeah, a lot, a lot of teachers, teachers are that are running yeah. for office and 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 we need to make it. We need to make these people have a platform. And I think you know it's the next generation of politicians we we can start getting excited about. Yeah, and and you know I agree, and I think as 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 this thing moves forward, and when and talking about Joe Biden, I, I I think people are excited about the idea of someone other than the president we have, of course, but they're not necessarily excited about Joe Biden. But I think he has an opportunity to get some excitement, and that's who he picks for his vice president. <laughs> we, we've been screaming we, yes. for, for two months. Music we've been screaming. There's not a whole lot of people. It's a very short list. It's like, and it's, <laughs> it's, the list know, is Stacey and Abrams, I believe. I think that's Stacey Abrams and, and um, well, well, that's what we think. But but Susan Rice is a front runner, too. Right. Who Kamala I'll take. Harris. Kamala Harris. Yeah. yeah it's, um, like, let's make a decision. Atlanta, the mayor of Atlanta. She's great. Um, there's some other people. But that's that. I think that's his last opportunity to put some energy in that. You know, if you, I think I think women, that demographic, especially white college women, um, he's all set with. But but white, non college educated women, black women, if you want to get black men, if you want the young people to get energized like they were with Bernie. And that's the problem with his candidacy right now is he doesn't have that energy that Bernie had, especially yeah. with young people. This is an opportunity. The young people are walking in the streets. Dude, what do you need? A street sign? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I 
Apparently he does. I mean, come on. It doesn't you make any sense. You need to pick someone to energize them. Keep yeah. them energized the way they are now. I take that back. You don't even have to energize them. They are energized. Yep. Just keep them energized. Right? This is easy. This, this is, is easy. easy. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to see Stacey Abrams get on a plane and show up in Tulsa. Joe, Joe sit down. I got this. That's how right. it's going to work. We're voting right. for the vice president this year. Let's all just be very, very clear about that. <laughs> um, and Joe Biden's like the, you know, he's like grandpa, where it's like, make sure you, you say goodbye right. to grandpa. He might not, yeah. you know, you pick know, up the phone tomorrow. heart's in the right place, but, right. you know, sometimes you don't want to sit on his lap. No. <laughs> Exactly. All right, with that, let's go to party favors. I think yeah. we can go to party favors because we just got a good one from Dwight. Yes. So, Tony, what is your party favorite? You said you got a good one for the Dems, I'm assuming. Very simple. For the Democratic establishment, my favor, my advice is whatever your instinct is, do the opposite thing right now. Stop trusting your instincts because they're wrong. You've wait, mm-hmm. you've, you were wrong by having Biden declare he's going to pick a woman in the debates. And that was yeah. all for show. And, yeah. I, and I, by the way, I'm all about it, but you boxed yourself. Into you a box corner. yourself in. Right. Um, you you blew it with. Let's. We all know they were going to go with Klobuchar, right? right? Come on, we all know that. She knew that it. was terrible instinct. And had she you have announced that's that, that's why she bowed out. Hundred percent. Pick a black woman. Yeah, she and because she was tied, she could have prosecuted that guy in Minnesota, right? And didn't. Um, and now you're still waiting right now you 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 don't have a lot of time left and we need a leader that like you just said gives the already energized youth that are walking the streets and tearing the statues down we need to give them something to get excited about because the last time that happened was obama imagine this yesterday during that route he makes an announcement yeah of who his vice president was and he brings Stacey Abrams out on stage. And, and there's a bunch of people there. People hear about it. People marching. They divert and they go there. And they have more people there than they do here. And, you know, it's just so many opportunities are being missed. Mm. You know, and, and I, think, I think people, if they make this same mistake that, hey, Trump is so bad that we got this. Yep. Right. He Didn't is work so out last bad. Time. He's so bad. There's no right. way, you know, it's like, we got this, yep. you know, and um, you cannot do that. If you don't, if you didn't learn that lesson in 2016, I don't, I don't know. President Obama's going around and he's very, very, I listen to him speak and, then, and there's some words that come out of his mouth more than anything. And it's always young people, yep. young people, young people, young people. And I think he's talking to Joe. Young people. <laughs> yo, yo, Joe. Joe. Young people, Joe. <laughs> and, and it's like, find out who these people 
or excited about and just go and then let's start campaigning on it. You know what I mean? Talking about the issues, because if you if you can't if you can't harness this energy that's happening out right now, it's almost like a party favor, you know, or whatever. It's there. It's right there. And all you got to do is listen. So easy. Absolutely. Um, it. Okay, so mine for the Dems is that, so we've all, you know, we heard of like the Prague Spring, the, the Arab Spring. I feel like we're living through the American Spring right now. That's what's going on, that there is a moment of reckoning. It's a revolutionary moment, and that the Democratic Party, which, you know, this is the way it is. This is the party that I'm backing. I don't believe in everything they've done, but this is the party I'm backing. They need to be much bolder in their ideas. Right. They passed this police reform thing. It's milk water. It's nothing. You know, it's, it's, it's oh, we're going to do more body-worn cameras. And, oh, we're going to ban chokeholds. Great. What, ab- what about the, the racialized police state that still exists, right? right. Um, so just much bolder platform, right? That if, if, if That's you're not... That's why they're marching, man. Yeah. If, they, if they're not they're picking marching. Stacey Abrams, they need to get out some big ideas. Right. You know? That's why they're marching right now. People, people, these kids are marching because they're not accepting what's happening from either party right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that's how change happens. They're, they are just done. Mm-hmm. They're done. And they're saying we are going to march the streets during a pandemic because we're sick of it. And ideas whatever they they want action and they want it to be you know neither one of these bills really get at what these people are talking about right you know and what's ironic is the whole world sees what black lives matter is talking about their statues coming down in england in england mm-hmm. <laughs> they bringing white dude statues down in england <laughs> you know so Everybody, they just need to listen. And, and you know, in politics, I think that's the most valued thing, right? It's, it's two things. Be able to, to articulate your ideas and to listen. And, and if you can do those two things, I think you'll be a successful politician. I think... President Obama had a, a, a way of telling a story. He didn't do like regular speeches, right? He, he, he told a story about, you know, his, his being in America and, and this is the only place that that could happen. And, you know, and it really touched people in a way that they really wanted to support him. But the biggest thing he did is he listened. He listened. And so that way, when he went and made that speech in Charleston, he had the whole room in tears because you can tell it was from his heart because he listened. He, he studied the problem. He talked to people. He listens and then he articulated. So even if Joe has the ideas, right, can he articulate that mm-hmm. into a message that these young people want to hear? Let's rephrase that. Can his VP articulate them? (laughs) Because because Joe Biden has been coming on my Facebook um, asking me for money and he fumbles that. Right. Literally in a 10 second spot asking for money, he messes up uh, three words. So (laughs) I'm not going to hold my breath for that. uh, But it's a good point. All right. We're now going to move to the party that we 
don't want to give any really good tips to, but you know, just 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 for just to, for the sake of it, we do it. So I'll go first. I got a, I got a very quick one. Um, Trump right now, anytime he goes out, it's horrible for him politically. Right. So all he needs to do, and the GOP needs to do, is to lean on their state media, which is Fox News. Right. right? Just let Fox News do the talking for them do all of the nasty hit hitting that they do you know the hatchet men that are just just sort of populate that entire channel um and it'll you know the the base will be kind of sated you know and satisfied and trump can i don't know retire to his bunker for a while and and and, and maybe come out during the convention you know to to a sort of grand yep. grand re-entry that's 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 what i would say yeah well, what well, i would yeah go ahead tony I was going to say, um, well, there's two things. I'll just, I'll, I'll riff off that. Um, I, I hate doing this, but it's, they're, not, <laughs> no. they're not listening to us. <laughs> you know, when you see these cops who go out in the street and they hug the protester, mm-hmm. people fall for that shit, man. People fall for it. It deflates them. They're like, oh, my God. If some Republicans just started doing that, they might actually... Uh, like stop some of this momentum. I mean, they're they just are continuing to put fuel on the fire, which is great for us. But it's how dumb are you? At what point do you realize? Talk, going right off what you said, Dwight, which is people just want to be heard. Right. And if you watched Lee Merritt in front of the Senate the other day, you know these, some of these were like Lindsey Graham, who to me is just like, how is this him and Mitch McConnell? How are these guys still around? Um, right gerrymandering but just still um they're starting to get it a little bit they're they're admitting there's a problem reluctantly but it's not that hard right now i mean you had a you had a um moment where rush limbaugh said the cop murdered george floyd he murdered him you need to go on what you just said you need to see what your state media is doing and jump on it and go i would have gone on rush limbaugh Absolutely. This is a crime. Lock this guy up. Mm-hmm. And then you get to pretend that you care. Right. <laughs> it's really simple. <laughs> my, my reply to your, your, your question was going to be, are they capable of mm, doing it? Because right. I lost, I've lost faith a long time ago and them being, so two things. One, they can't shut Trump up. And that's, that's their, that's their big mm-hmm. boogaboo right now. I, right. I know they, if they could tape his mouth shut and tape Absolutely. his phone, I think they would because they're afraid they're going to get wiped out in the Senate and the House and the presidency and the world might be corrected. But but I think the second thing is I don't know if they're capable of empathy at this point. Who who. When Nixon was running amok, you had people of courage that stood up in the Republican Party. They made that change. If they didn't stand up nothing happens, right? There is only, I'm going to say there's nobody in the Republican Party with, with courage. There's, there's Mitt Romney, but I question his motives for doing it. Yeah, too little, too late. Murkowski, um, I question her motives. She's just trying to get reelected in her, in her district. Uh, Senator and they Collins, both vote with Trump 90% of the time anyway. Your voting record speaks for you. What comes out of your mouth means nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I look at every one of their voting records. Because see, 
I think we're at a point right now, and I tell my son this, I mean, if a politician gets up and he's a slick talker, have his printed voting record with you. That's what's doing the talking for him. Because they'll say this and they'll say that, but hey, uh, you said that, and that happened in my town. You posted this, but your voting record here, buddy, says you didn't want it. So why are you passing it off like, like you wanted this, you know, so voting record i don't think they are capable of having empathy they are so bought in to donald trump now they're so afraid of getting tweeted about that the few people that was in that auditorium yesterday would right. vote against them and i think if if they would like you said if they would just be smart they could have a better chance than the way it's looking right now mm-hmm. but to me i want to say to the entire republican party Keep the mic in front of Donald Trump. <laughs> Please. Amen. Please. Just Please. keep it. Ask him a question. Any question. I don't care. Yeah. Coke or Pepsi. Yeah. He'll make it racist. He'll make it hateful. Yeah. And just keep a mic in front of him, man. You know, Mr. President, did your toilet paper roll come from the bottom or the top? Just, and then just <laughs> let him go. Just let him go. <laughs> I agree. When people are like, they need to stop uh, um, airing these White House lawn things. I'm like, are you nuts? That's where we get all the stuff where we get to play back all the lies in three weeks from now. And the guy just rambles. And his 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 first instinct is to lie. He doesn't think about anything. He's just lies. So air all of it. Like you just said, I think we're also all very sick of his voice. So keep it going. Keep Keep let him wear out his welcome a little more. Keep it going, and, and 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 the Republicans keep a mic in front of their face too. Yep. And they they all they keep saying is I'm late for lunch. Yeah, you late for lunch. Yep. You really late for lunch. You know, and they're and you know I've never seen politicians that are voted in in their district be be cowardly, and and you know, and I hate to say that about anybody, but they're cowardly. For sure. You know what I mean? Um, and someone asked me the other day, well, you, you know, if President Obama had told all the lies and did all those things, I'd say I'd be checking him. Mm-hmm. I'd be checking him. But the difference is he would respond to us checking him because he's a good listener and he was a great politician and he would adjust, right? Because he's a great speaker, he's a writer, he's a you know, a constitutional law professor. He knew how to listen. He knew how to write. And whether he believed it or not, he would reposition himself. Right. And but these people don't have they don't have the capability of of, of doing that. And, and I hate to say that about people. But um, well, I, go we by, know, I go we by know, the record. We also know Obama wasn't sitting on his toilet texting Kim Jong-un asking him for help in the next election. And right. that's the most frightening thing about Trump to me, more than anything, is right. is his foreign policy with the most horrible people in the world and right. the camaraderie he's having. And, and I think he really sees himself as one of them. And that that's what people need to really be afraid of. Right. Well, I think I think his supporters aren't afraid of him. You know, I used, you know, remember when we used to wonder, well, how did Hitler happen? How could that happen? Right. We're seeing how it could happen. Right? 100%. When, when, when people of good conscience don't say anything, right? John Bolton's got a book out right now. He was asked to come and testify 
mm-hmm. right? They're cowardly. So I don't know if they I don't know if they're capable of doing the right thing anymore. Yeah, I mean, the GOP I think they're captured, right? By because it's not yeah. the GOP, it's the the Trump party, right? So yeah, they're, the they're completely party. captured right. by by I agree, I want to say officially I agree with that. Yeah. I I think it's the Trump party and not the the GOP that we've known for years. So and years what and years. all they have left is to kind of double down on kind of cruelty, fear and bigotry, right? Yeah. I mean that cuz yeah. that's the, those are the sort of overarching themes of the Trump presidency. Yes. Uh, in various forms, you know, cruelty, bigotry, um, and uh, hatred and so on takes economic forms as well. Right. I mean, it's 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 in the policies. It's in the rhetoric. It's it's everywhere. Right. Hidden under the guise of patriotism. And that's yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's um, that, so I, I don't think it's going to happen, but he, he would he would do well for himself by just letting like, I don't know, Sean Hannity do the talking. Yeah. <laughs> No, 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 no. That guy's, he's a bigot, but he's a little more articulate. We need Trump on the mic. I agree. I, I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep saying that. Please do not take him off the mic. Yeah. And people um, often say, well, you know, I just, I cringe when I hear his voice. I'm like, you shouldn't, you should like rejoice when you hear his voice because he is going to make it racist. He is going to make it bigoted. He is going to make it authoritarian he's going to make it every time he opens his mouth and you know i just i just think we should just keep him talking but uh talking about the republican party i the trump party excuse me um i just have never seen anything like it they just they they act like scared like you know that bully in the neighborhood right there's people, they don't like him, but they're always walking with him right behind him. You know what I mean? And they're like, yeah, we're bad. And, you know, but but you get them by themselves. They're like, I hate him. <laughs> you know, I don't like that guy. And then he walks in the room and they're like, hi. Yeah. You know, that's how I feel. And they, they have no courage. And I just, I just, you know, the John Bolton coming out now, you know, when we had, he could have walked in and told us this. It would have helped. And some some republicans maybe vote to impeach this guy yep and he wouldn't do it so they're all they're all cowards they're all about money um and there's only so much money and 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 right now you can't buy these kids off right nope you can't buy them off they not they're going on your record and um you know and i'm trying to every time i talk to young people that's my mantra right don't believe what people say look at their record I think that's a good way to end it. Um, Dwight, thank you so much for yeah, coming Dwight, on. Great pleasure meeting you. Hey, thanks and for thanks for thanks for putting all that time in, man. I mean, it's more than most people are doing, and it's um. What else am I going to do, man? We got to get yeah. into the fight, and uh, the young people have showed us the way. And the way I do it is through labor, and um, we need voices in all these different areas, and we need you guys doing what you do. So thank you very much. All right, thank you, Dwight. All right, take care, man. Take care. No Politics at the Dinner Table is produced by Amit Prakash. And uh, we are on Facebook and Instagram. Um, get on there. Help us. We got the website up now. Got the website back up. It's a nice website. We've got a nice logo. We're working on YouTube. So we're, uh, we're fully embracing technology, which we've been running from for a little while. But 
give us a like and uh i don't know troll us a little bit we're looking for trolls all right we'll see you next week Thank you.